Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Was it a catch or not? We're going to talk about that tonight. The fiasco in Pittsburgh. We got bowl season coming. And they, they, they retired not one, but two jerseys in L.A. for the man they call the, the Mamba, Kobe Bryant. This is RSG with D. Wells. I'm here at the AT&T Stadium in Dallas, Texas. Michigan is Florida. This thing right here is for my people. Yes, yes, today. Yes, yes, today. You know, as we start this show, this one might. Here we There is a pause. Throughout the stadium, as the man sounds like he just coughed up a lung. They're looking around. The jumbotron shows and pans the cheerleaders, and as it goes down each cheerleader's face, each one breaks up into laughter, which at this particular time destroys half the stadium. The other half is still trying to figure out what the hell just happened. Does this guy need? Uh, CPR or something And then at that particular time I lost it <laughs> Devon Trump Yes, yes, yes Today Phoenix is another place They got a great uh, training staff I mean they, they were able to breathe life back into Shaq And you can do that you know, People talk a lot about their <laughs> training staff Yes, yes, today you know, as we start this show, this one mic. All right, welcome to one mic. This is Devon Wilson, one half of the of the of the crew here. Uh, the host and all callers are brought to you by Carbon World Health, your complete solution for fitness, health, and beauty. Go to carbonworldhealth.com to connect with Dr. Nestor Rodriguez and his staff to learn more about lifestyle medicine. Tell them that the Real Sports Guy sent you. Follow us and like us at realsportsguys.com. RSG One Mike with D. Wilson. Hank, we thank you for spending the time with us. And before I go, it's you know it's been a long time since we since we uh, last talked to all of y'all, and uh, it's good to have back you know my version of of, of the the Stockton Malone, our car Malone, Hank Davis. How you doing, Hank? I'm doing well, D. It's good to be back on the air with you. I want to take this opportunity to wish all of our listeners out there a very Merry Christmas, you know, a very Happy New Year. Listen, man, this is the time of the year, man, where, you know, people spend so much time getting all their houses all dressed up and, you know, putting all the decorations and the lights and, you know, uh, the, the the power company just love everybody that they just be grinning. They just know all that money just going right to them at this time of the year. Oh, they just love it. But you know what? We should take the time, man, and just, you know, 
just really reflect upon the reason for the season. And really the reason for the season is, is the spirit of giving, the spirit of, of being with family, being with friends, you know, uh, you know, being blessed to get to the end of another year. You know, for you and I to be able to really reflect upon and talk about, you know, all the things we've been able to 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 uh, to share together and to talk about and to, and to look at and to witness, and we're gonna do that, you know, from a sports perspective and other perspectives. But again, man, it's just it's just a blessing, you know, and it's just it's good to be alive and it's good to be here with you tonight and just to really talk about, you know, things that we love to talk about in depth and in detail. I think that's one of the things I always say. You got to do something that you're passionate about. I look forward to when I get on the air with you or if I get a chance to get on the air with Phil and Marcus. It's just this whole crew has made this journey uh, special. And I think, you know, for those people who come, who listen to us, who've been following us, uh, following the underground, the resistance, as Marcus would say, um, I think, uh, you know, we we try to give you our – you know, our best every time we reach on the air, and we hopefully that you feel that way. Um, you know, I am thankful. And I, I do want to send a shout out to a couple people um, uh, that I just want to recognize who uh, I, I've been connecting with lately. I'm trying to, to do that. So I have a young man, Tayshawn Banks from Beloit, Wisconsin, uh, who, who loves basketball. I told him I sent a shout out to him. So, Tayshawn, hopefully you catch this. If not, I will send it to you. Um, we're going to work on your game. We'll get you connected with somebody. Uh, keep pushing uh, and uh, stay on those books. And then we want to give one to our, one of our guys who's been on here on the air, who's making his way up the MMA uh, 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 ladder, Alton, the boatman, Cunningham. Uh, he had a incredible TKO in his first uh, televised uh, uh, event on, on Access TV uh, this past weekend. I had a chance to watch it. Uh, uh, on TV and watch him live. I've been uh, uh, connecting with him, um, and we're definitely going to have him on. But if, if you've been a long-time listener, we, we started out with him from the beginning as he was making his debut, and he's checked in with us, and now he's 4-0. and um, And he's in a space where he can go to Bellator or he can go to UFC. And that's what people do when they uh, do well in this space that he's in right now. You know, one or two more victories there, he gets a belt. Um, in the way that he's doing it, he could be uh, uh, being on somebody's main event here pretty soon. And so I, I do want to send a shout out. I know he's been working hard. Um, he's been grinding, um, getting a lot of support from uh, Dr. Rodriguez uh, over there, Carbon World Health. He's one of the sponsor athletes over there uh, as well. And so, you know, we always like, you know, I, I said, we, you know, when I started this show, I said I want to be a lot like um, Sway and Tech. All you guys from hip hop would understand that. Like nobody, everybody who was somebody early in the day went through that Sway and Tech show uh, out there in L.A. and before when they were in the Bay Area. You know, that's where Eminem freestyled. That's where Biggie made a debut. That's where Jay-Z was even on there. Everybody, that's kind of how we've been. We've been that show. We've been that show that, that cats catch on and they move up. You, you, you've had a chance to hear Tony Contiana. Tony was with us when he was a youngster. Now he's on ESPN, Madison. He's, he's done podcasts with with uh, some big folks like Windhorse and all that. Uh, so, you know, people start uh, start out uh, uh, with us, and then they make their move, and that's how we want it to be. That's how we want to catch people on the way up. And so we we, do, we definitely want to show the Bowman some love. But tonight, there's a lot going on, man. We're going to have some fun, um, uh, uh, and we're going we're gonna, to um, spend this first segment, as we bless the mic, kind of tapping into some of the current 
uh, uh, events, things that just happened recently. And there's a lot that's been going on recently. It's been it's been crazy. Even as we were putting the rundown together, stuff was getting updated. So we we might have to update and talk as we go. But let's start let's start with the most obvious one. There's a lot of obvious. I, I shouldn't say that. There's so much craziness yeah. going on. But tonight we they retired Kobe, Bean Bryant, the Black Mama. Not one jersey. See, this was Kobe's like not one jersey, but they're gonna retire two jerseys. I don't even know if they tired two jerseys for Michael. I don't know if they retired the forty five and the twenty three. I thought they just retired the twenty three. But for him, they retired the eight and the twenty four. And there's been a lot of debate which Kobe do you like? The Kobe who wore the eight, Kobe who wore the twenty four. But I think we just want to put, you know, I feel like even I, um, and I know Game Changer has been a critic. I would have to give Phil T probably uh, the most credit for really trying to respect and put Kobe. But I think even as I reflect a little bit more on Kobe's career got away with, I don't know if we've appreciated um, what this young man has done from day one to his last day. And I heard Stephen A. Smith, who's uh, talked a lot about it, passionately about Kobe um, today, sharing his thoughts. And and, um, Kobe gave none. He gave none, uh, and he gave everything. He, he pushed people. Um, he wasn't out there to be liked. He's out there to win. Um, and some people try to compare um, uh, Westbrook to him, but I don't think you can. I mean, I think uh, in some ways Westbrook has that killer instinct, but Kobe not only had a killer instinct, but he also understood at a certain point he couldn't do it alone and made adjustments to be able to find ways to incorporate some of his players, particularly after uh, uh, he split with Shaq. But tonight he's being honored. And in fact, Steve Kerr, you know, this is, this is Steve, this is quintessential Steve Kerr who gets it right. He was like, I'm not going to halftime when I know all my players are thinking about, they'd love to be out there to see this legend be honored. We're not even going to go in. We're going to stay out here and witness it. And then we'll play the second half to me. Like that is somebody who's not short-sighted. Like, like knows that he has some young players and also he has some players who themselves want to be in that spot, want to have that moment. And he's seeing this as even each a, a teachable moment for somebody like Durant and somebody like Curry who can still grow, who are still searching to be in that space, to be able to dream about that moment and to be able to visualize that he, he sees the benefit of that to his team. And so, you know, Hank, I know <clears throat> we talk a lot about a lot of stuff, but I, you know, I want to give you as, you know, somebody who's seen a lot of basketball over a lot of years, over over multiple generations, to be able to put Kobe's career in perspective. Well, you know what? There's a lot of folks out there that, including myself, that that somewhat underestimated Kobe Bryant and Kobe Bryant's impact to the L.A. Lakers. Um, it was it was uh, Shaq's team when they started winning championships or folks will lead you to believe it was Shaq's team. But what Kobe Bryant did after Shaq left um, the, the, the Lakers after the 2004 season, I think is what really personifies his legacy as, as a leader and a hall of famer, because, you know, his, the, the big, the, for those who don't know, the, the real big uh, beef between Shaq and, and Kobe was the fact that Shaq, uh, Kobe didn't feel like Shaq got himself ready to play. And Kobe got himself ready to play all the time. 
and, you know, they were trying to make Kobe Bryant the next Michael Jordan before LeBron James, okay, the way he was trying to be a leader, the way he was trying to, you know, really lead by example. I got to give him that. Uh, many, many basketball you know, fans re- remember the 82-point game that he had. And, and and that went with mixed emotions. Folks were saying that he now is a selfish player. But only thing Kobe did, did was try to win. Now, you could ask the question, did he try to win at the expense of the Lakers? I would say no. Um, but but true to form in L.A. fashion, what they've done uh, is uh, stir up the drama, stir up the debate by retiring both of those numbers, Okay the 24 and the 8. Now, what folks fail to realize, is when they, and they want to say what was, what's going on with Michael Jordan and why didn't they uh, retire both of his numbers. Well, you got to understand, the number 45 that he came back with, he was allowed to go back to number 23, all right? So when he was able to go back to 23, that made the number 45 null and void, all right? So that's what folks don't understand. Well, Kobe actually made the change because he wanted to make the change, uh, the league wouldn't allow Michael Jordan to come back at number 23. So once they allowed that to happen for him, that's why that's the difference there. But to your point, one thing about Kobe Bryant, you can say whatever you want to say, but he spent his entire career with the L.A. Lakers, uh, which is a big deal for some fans, all right? And he won championships, and he was one of the best that ever did it until it was over and done with. So just to 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 put a nice little neat bow on it, uh, I think I think it's great. I think both numbers should be retired uh, because he did that on his own. And 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 there's debates now. If you look at the metrics between which which player was better, the number eight or the number twenty four, it's a compelling argument. I would like to see him play. I would like to see number twenty four play uh, number eight in one on one. If if you're listening out there, PlayStation. So the, the 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 thing about that that's so funny, thing I crack up about so funny about that is, you know I, I you know Kobe you know this is when I knew it was something about him because at first you know when he came out, you know a, a lot of guys you know uh, a lot of my guys in Rockford they, 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 they you know we we debate in the bar and. They, they get mad at me because I, I call the Duke kids. Even if Phil T gets mad at me, he tries to correct me. I call them, call them camp kids. The difference between cats who play at the playground and camp kids. So when I first got to see Kobe coming from Europe, all that stuff, I was thought, okay, this is a kid that's upper middle class, upper kid that is, you know, that kid that particularly at that time, you know, um, wanted to get people to understand that he had that it that that particularly at that time of hip hop and that he was down. I mean, I saw a lot of, you know, as a college administrator, I saw a lot of middle class, upper middle class, particularly kids of color get in trouble because they were trying to prove to cats who came from working class backgrounds that they were down and then they ended up funking out because they just didn't have it. And so at first I was like, not quite sure about this kid, but I remember that Utah series and he came down. It took what? One or two or three straight shots, air ball, but he took them with confidence. And I said, okay, this is a cat that has a short memory at a time when he got grown men who look like they don't want to shoot the ball. Mm-hmm. 
And that told me a lot about his desire, right? And um, and over the years, I started to see how reflective he was, um, uh, but at the same time, how dogged he was about preparation. And, you know, I just got to appreciate that. So, you know, I know uh, Game Changer as uh, – he 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 has a he has major criticisms about Kobe in terms of when we start to talk about that little sh- tiny room and uh, about where he has him on his list compared to LeBron and some others. Uh, but um, this is a cat who played both ends, was a lead at both ends. I'm big on that. I'm big on that when you start to get to that elite. Then I think that's right. some of what separates sometimes Jordan from other folks. Is that one thing I'll say about MJ? And, you know, you and I are uh, Piston fans and everything. There are times when we felt like he got some calls he didn't deserve. But the one thing about Mike is 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 athletic and has dominant he could be athletically. He was never too cool for school. He was never too mm-hmm. cool to dive on the floor. Even though his shorts look nice or whatever, if you watch Mike, Mike was never too cool to not do the right thing, right? He wasn't, he wasn't trying to look too cool. He was always playing. He was always right position. I, I think Kobe – was that cat never too cool for school? Wasn't didn't care about what everybody thought about. It. You knew I've watched the NBA enough to watch cats who could have been great but was too cool for school. Right. You know they were they were trying to look too nice when they should get they they shouldn't have been afraid to get dirty, and on both ends wasn't afraid to, that somebody might shake them up because that wasn't what about. I mean even with that Iverson crossover of Mike, it was because Mike wasn't worried about being too cool for school. He was up for the challenge. Whereas, right. you know, um, and and sometimes that's I even have you know, I love LeBron, but even not being in the dunk contest because of what it might look like, neither Mike or Kobe worried about that. No, they did. They didn't worry about losing. They just were. They just love to compete. And and I think that's something that I've always appreciate. That's that we, we use the, the phrase dog meter. Kobe's on that Mount Rushmore dog meter. Can't nobody question his dog meter at all. I mean, Kobe, you know, even Kobe, go, go ahead. I hear Kobe to a certain extent was a was a throwback. Okay, and that's yeah. what you're saying. That, that that you're going back to the time before uh, the NBA, in my opinion, had gotten somewhat soft. You had players that weren't afraid to play in the paint or play outside, and and that's where there was a lot of similarities between Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan. Because Kobe could do it both, and Kobe could go to the hole on you, and you would get posterized in a heartbeat, and you didn't think that was coming from him. Um, he wasn't just a jump shooter. I mean, he had he had a complete game, and, and that's what you're talking about. That being too school too cool for school, he would get dirty and, and down and get ready, and and that's one thing that if you're an old school basketball uh, fan, that you appreciated about his game. Yeah, he gonna he gonna set. That's one thing I tell you about Mike too. People forget Mike understood that you could screen to an open shot, and Kobe understands that. You know, most people are like a lot of kids don't like setting screens because they think that's the dirty work. Great shooters, great offensive players love to screen because screen creates openings. Mm-hmm. And and I always watch um, development of players, and when I see players who are great scorers or offensive players who also like to screen. Even Reggie, Reggie Miller understood how a screen helped create a shot for him. A lot of times he would go screen, not just be screen four. 
And so mm-hmm. when when you when I understood, I watched him and understood he understood that concept and how that created offense for him by 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 doing some of those things and switching up. I mean, so it's just little things like that that he understood about the game. And part of that was him developing and growing and learning how to play that game in Europe, right? Where, um, you know, our great basketball minds went over to Europe and did a lot of clinics and taught a lot of coaches. They started taking that stuff, and then we just forgot to teach that. And then all the European players know it. Now they come over here knowing how to do all of that. And now we got to get back to the basics. AAU, we don't teach that. Uh, but they do a lot at Europe. And so that's what he was benefiting from that style of game. And in some ways that allowed him to accelerate, you know, not only be athletic, be great, but understand the game is played from the neck up. And I think that's where he had the biggest problem with Shaq, who, who is smart and brilliant in, in all the other ways. It's in people. So Shaq knows basketball, smart, got a great mind, understands concepts, picked up triangle and all that stuff was great as a big man in that, but didn't understand how just, you know, giving yourself, being in shape, being a little bit ahead of it would have just made you even much more of a dominant force. Don't give up any edge. Like Kobe's like, don't give up any edge. Don't give anybody any edge, right? Take away everything they have. Don't even make make them think that they can't even touch you. And I think that part of that competitiveness is is what puts him in that that conversation. And he's got five titles, two without Shaq, two back-to-back, three straight finals. Um, one, you know, uh, he was going up against a big three who was on fire with that Boston team, uh, right. uh, with Garnett and them and, and, uh, trying to go at it with a team he was trying to teach how to win. Um, and so, you know, having two jerseys retired tonight, you know, you know, a lot of people will be talking for, for years, you know, he's a polarizing figure with that. You know, a lot of people will come back at, but you know, as a just a straight basketball fan, you know, I, I miss him i miss having somebody who gets after like that every night with a response like russ gets after every night but he'll get at it with the responsibility that it takes to win whereas kobe would be with that same squad that you got he got right now kobe would kobe probably would have their team would probably be at the top of the of the west with 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 carmelo and and uh 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 uh, you guy on the on the squad he would be he he would have him at the top of the West, and so sometimes you got to give up a little piece to get something, and that's the part that Westbrook is still learning that Kobe that's understood. My, yeah, you're right. I mean, the, the Westbrook is still concerned about Westbrook, even even at at, at, uh, at crunch time, and he has proven to be a great regular season player. Yeah. Okay, he's yet to really show what he's going to do in the playoffs, where Kobe excelled in the playoffs. Okay, excel in the playoff and got other players to excel in the playoffs. Exactly. Created space for Paul Gasol and them to get exactly. what they get. You know, right. Knew when he needed to be the setup guy. And right. I think that's the part that Westbrook hasn't figured out. I mean, the, the Philly game was a great example of that. Is you you got you got you got Carmelo going. You know, find a way because you when you this is what Kobe understood. And I think Westbrook is still learning. You can get your shot anytime. That's not what it's about. Right. <laughs> You can get your shot anytime. Given that you can get your shot anytime, how do you make for easy shots for Carmelo and George? Because that's going to make it easy for you every night. If they get going every night, then you get your shot anytime, right? And Kobe understood, I get Powell going, I get these guys going. You can't double-team me. You can't double-team me when these guys are going. 
it's going to be harder for you to double team me when these guys are gone because right. you've got to stay home and stay honest. If you got to stay home and stay honest, you're in trouble. You know, and I think that's the part of the game, you know, when people try to compare Westbrook to Kobe that Westbrook hasn't quite gotten yet. But Kobe evolved, and he evolved through failing. He failed, reflect, came back better. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, whereas Westbrook comes back harder the same. It's kind of like working with a student who says, I'm just going to work harder. Nah, you got to work smarter. Right. <laughs> right? And I think that's what Kobe understood, how to make those kind of adjustments. So we, we, we'll talk more about that. We'll follow that story. We'll hear a lot more. Some of you are probably watching, checking it out. This next one we want to catch here uh, uh, as we bless the mic here in this opening segment. Uh, what, you listen to Real Sports Guys, RSG1 Mike. Uh, we're, in, we're in that first second, bless the mic. Uh, tonight, you know, probably another 15 minutes. We're going to be hitting up um, and getting a little bit more deep into um, uh, some of the NFL talk and then some of the uh, – uh, the bowl games um, and, 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 and some of the reflections on uh, what's happened with this bowl season. Uh, but right now we, uh, we just finished talking about Kobe Bryant. And I also want to, uh, as we start moving into a little football, Carolina Panthers owner is set to sell the team. Uh, uh, this is something that, um, you know, pe- many people are anticipating. Uh, Jerry Richardson has been a fire a fire rod, if you think lightning rod, excuse me, if if you kind of think a little bit about it, um, uh, he there are some claims of uh, in this climate uh, that has been evolving. Uh, you know, sports has not been as much a part of this conversation around sexual assault, sexual harassment, uh, but he's also been someone who uh, uh, one of the uh, former scouts who happened to be African American um, had. Uh, said that he used a racial slur to him, that he ended up just walking away. And I, I remember um, uh, uh, when he was having some comments about um, all this issue with the kneeling, uh, somebody, I don't know who said it, who played for him, said that we just, uh, uh, in, in the same way they talk about McNair, uh, 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 who owned Houston, uh, was, or the Texans, was, you know, this kind of this good old boy, you know, um, and, you know, some of these Southern things. And he says some things. And so now he's selling the team. Um, and uh, I guess there's reports uh, uh, on Twitter that uh, uh, Diddy say, let me buy it. And so there's a lot of buzz about, you know, who, you know, Sean Combs is, I think, uh, one of the first uh, of this hip-hop mogul generation, I think, is if he hasn't reached it, uh, is going to be a billionaire. And so, um, uh, and he's, he, you know, he's putting his name in the hat to – to uh, buy uh, the Panthers, that's what he's kind of claiming. Uh, I wouldn't put, it, I wouldn't put it past him. I wouldn't put it past Jay Z and some other folks as well. Um, so this guy, man, given a, and this has been a franchise that's been a solid franchise, man. Uh, if you think about it, when they first came in and came out the gate, started winning. Um, uh, I think this, I think he played uh, the game. I think he's the former player. I, I want to think, um, and so. You know, what's your perspective on what we're hearing out of Carolina and then also how this is playing in this larger landscape, you know, given all the stuff with Ray Rice and everything else around this. Now, now we see folks in ownership uh, begin to uh, get affected. And then you hear Jerry Jones saying we need more guys like this guy. I mean, Jerry just doesn't get it, man. I don't know. NFL, I'm convinced it's the NFL leadership just doesn't get it, but we'll leave it alone. What are you thinking about what you're hearing around this uh, 
uh, this uh, uh, idea that he's going to be selling and he's going to be controlling. This guy's just going to make more money. So it's not like he <laughs> he's walking away with nothing. Uh, he's actually going to walk away with probably a billion dollars. But uh, what's been your perspective on as you've heard this, this, this story unfold? My perspective is just what you just got through saying, okay? And that is that I'm going to take a moral issue that's on the front page every day and I'm going to use it to parlay this into more money by selling this football team. Look, let's let's, let's not just look at this at the surface, D. Let's look at this for what we've been talking about all year, okay? This whole civil unrest that's going on with um the 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 NFL okay has has really really uh hit in the pocketbook of these owners all right attendance is down and uh, viewing audiences are down all right and all of a sudden you got this man down so he ain't going to change his ways okay and if anybody think he going to change his ways uh I got some land here I got some beachfront property right here in southeast Michigan with the sun shining at 80 degrees right now. You can get it for a nickel. All right? That's what I'm trying to get you to understand. Don't ever – I don't I, – I trust him as far as I can throw him left-handed with a broken elbow. All right? This is about money. And, you, and, 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 and um, you know, so what can I get for this? This, this is a buy and sell this, – this is, this, is this is the stock market – all over, okay? Uh, you sell high, all right? So this is what he's doing, all right? Anybody who is a good businessman has to ask the question, okay, what are you forecasting for your team uh, right now in this climate that is the NFL? All right, some very interesting things have been happening with this league, and a lot of it is really leaning towards the negative. All right, I don't even want to get into the whole sexual harassment. I didn't call somebody a racial slur. These cats have been doing that, you know, that that didn't start this season. All right, so they've been saying what they want to say anytime they want to because money talks, BS walks. We know that. So let's, let's, let's not even act like, oh, okay, this is a moral thing. No, this is a money thing. And it's based upon the climate of the NFL. And so I'm going to sell my team. I've got me a championship-caliber team right now. Uh, this is a way for me to get out from underneath, make me, make me some money, let some poor sap take over this, and I get out. That's what I think it is. I think you nailed it on the head with your last comment. I think that everything else has been – see, we've heard way too much from Jerry Jones. we heard too much from these other owners that said that the owner at the, the Houston um, uh, Texans owner – I mean, come on. They, they, this isn't, this isn't brand new. Okay, you got billionaires that don't need to have a filter. All right, and if the league is not going to push him to sell the team as the NBA did with the Clippers owner, then this is a money grab. And if you think that is anything else, then you are as gullible as, 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 as the individual who will come and buy this land here in, in Michigan. <laughs> it was crazy about this. So then Kaepernick uh, tweets, "Yeah, I, I want in on the ownership group. Let's make it happen." And uh, Diddy has this, he says he said this this picture was taken back. And he has a picture. I guess I have to click on this. Uh, this is God's work. It's time. Attention, all NFL owners. It's time for diversity. It's time for black ownership. This this time is now. Let's make it happen. Diddy serious. 
Um, so <laughs> now Kaepernick's like, let me put put me in on the, on the ownership group. He got it, you know, and you know he you know, he can pull the money together. So it's interesting because I think one of the things that, in some ways, NFL needs a Diddy. Like one of the things about something about the NFL owners, even though they got some cats, you know, which we just talked about, um, who uh, have their own set of issues. It just seems like the NFL owners, like for a long time, I thought baseball owners might be the ones who are out, but the NFL owners make baseball owners look like they new age hippies. It's just like they are, it, it, it they allow at least the voices feel like they are so behind the eight ball. They don't understand what's going on behind the times. And they, in, in a combination with a, uh, commissioner who doesn't have any cool points like now he third like he third at cool points i think manafort is moving up he's trying to find innovative ways for the game of baseball um uh and then i think nba is probably at the top in terms of their commissioner so it's like and you might i mean you could even move it down further than that if we really got down to it um in terms of a commissioner that can actually move something and got the Uh trust of his players and can move and ownership who get it. So you're right. I mean, they're at a all golden goose, all the gold goose at some point run out. Like it is not going to happen all day. And like you said, there are, there are signs, slow signs that if you don't pay attention to it, you'll look up and you'll be sliding way down the hill. And so this is an opportunity for, to see what kind of leadership Goodell has opportunity where you got somebody like Diddy or some other folks where, you can bring in new faces at a time who can be the future owners of the league, right? Um, it opens up an opportunity to think about how you might have former players who might want to be in this space. And so, um, you know, it, it, you know, it's good to have, you know, people working in the league office, but what about like, what about folks in ownership? And so you're right. I mean, I think it's, I just don't think they got the leadership. I think, you know, Jerry Jones and them is is they want to go to the cookouts with the cats who look like them. Some of the oil cats, cats who could be at their, who could have been at their oil parties. And so that's just kind of how they rock. And without a commissioner who can say, hey, we need to be thinking out ahead of this. I just don't think Goodell has a room like that. And that's the problem. But this Here's cat, problem, like you said, yeah. huh? I get what I said. The problem I got with, um, the, the the ownership groups of of of, of a Diddy or um, a, a Jay Z or even a Kaepernick, this is still this is still a, a good old boy network in the, in the NFL, and owners have got to approve ownership. You have to ask yourself a legitimate question: Is would this ownership group of these owners approve a minority ownership? Okay, you don't really have a a uh, progressive thinking um, commissioner. What you have is a puppet, all right? You have yeah. a power-hungry puppet that's going to do the bidding of those owners, right? So if you've got that, how in the world do you think they're going to be able to push through any sort of minority uh, ownership in the NFL? All right, you've got folks like the Lions owner who's 102 years old or older, 
They're not going to sell that team to an owner. You know, you just, you, you just, there's a thing about it. Okay, it's a country club mentality. Do you know this? All right. So while you're saying, yeah, the, or the NFL needs to be progressive in what they're doing, and they need somebody like that, and I agree with you, they do. They need somebody like that. The NFL, I mean, the NBA has figured it out. Uh, uh, and Major League Baseball has figured it out too. All right, but now you got the NFL that feels like this is old money, right? We only going to sell to somebody who look like us, who sound like us, and this is the problem. And they're going to have to go backwards a few more steps before anything like that happens, unless you just don't have a taker, or you're just going to have somebody who's going to try to have some sort of minority ownership and try to do some sort of hostile takeover. Other other than that. You're going to have that old boy network that's going to uh, penetrate that. Well, I think I think where the possibility happens, and I think Mark Cuban said this best, you know, even with the decision they made to go with the Jeter group, which, you know, as Mark Cuban said, you, you know, you can't go with a group that's cash poor and expect winning decisions. And the one thing you know about a, a, a group that Diddy's come with, they're not going to be cash poor. The other thing no. is, don't be surprised if part of his plan is to bring Michael Jordan into it. That puts political pressure. You already got him owning um, on the, even as a minority, and I don't know what the rules are with that, but I think he could probably do it. Even on the minority, uh, even if he was a minority iron, uh, uh, person with stake in it, Mike brings money. And Mike brings pull in North Car- in, North- in Carolina, right? And so I wouldn't be surprised if he already got a conversation with Jordan and some other folks about how he could put this deal together. You know, one thing I know about Diddy is that you never, uh, you, you never uh, enter that and say no. You, Diddy could pull something where he might have Cuban as a minority uh, mm-hmm. uh, deal in there so that you, now you've got an operation that's not cash poor. Which is appealing to anybody, right? Um, and and um, uh, it, and the thing about crazy thing about like somebody like Diddy, you don't know what Diddy's relationship is with somebody like Jerry Jones. You know, this is a cat that rolls with a lot of circles. He might have a positive. He might be able to pick a phone up and call Jerry and be like, "Hey, man, let's do this." So that, you know, I think there's some things that a guy like that who's in circles, who you normally wouldn't think were in some of those circles, where he has friends across. That's how he successfully built his empire in different ways. He's very much diversified, and so there's folks that he's doing he's doing business in space. There were some of those other owners would love to have access into those spaces. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, man. Because you know he's the one guy who comes to the table who's not cash poor. He's one guy who's coming to the table, and he's the kind of guy who can bring people around him who got money. Which right. in, at the end of the day, the NFL loves that idea of having money, and so it's going to be interesting to see how this thing plays out. But like you said, the crazy thing about it is the penalty for this guy. With, with you know people like you know Weinstein and all these other guys are 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 the empires are crumbling. He gonna walk away with a billion dollars, right? Easily, right? Um, which which makes this which makes this ridiculous. All right. So the big matchup happened. Everybody was talking about it for weeks. They got it on. You had Bell out there running like an old school joint, just killing it. You had the the Steelers revealing their whole man-to-man defense concept that held it together for a while. You had 
Brady doing what he was doing. You had the Pats D making a play right there at the end. Questionable call to uh, uh, tight end uh, Jesse James. Looked like he got across the line. Looked like he had control. But a rule where at every other level of football is a touchdown at the highest level with the highest level of skill is not a touchdown. And then we have Roethlisberger. I don't know what Roethlisberger was doing. Uh, trying to run the fake. Everybody can see that coming. Nobody else ran a route. And you had Martavius Bryant killing him. And all you had to do was throw a fade route to him. And if he didn't get it, then it's out of bounds. You kick the field goal, going overtime, see if you can win. You had uh, you, you had a dropped interception that when you knew when he dropped it, that there was a touchdown coming. It just That's kind of how it was going. It was a crazy day in football with the Pats. What say you, Hank Davis? Well, you know what? It was a it was a very well anticipated game. Okay, it was one that really, if you think about it, it epitomizes what's going on with the NFL this year. Okay, what's going on with the NFL? Period. You had two marquee teams, story teams, playing for what could be the best record in the AFC. You had well anticipated. You had Tom Brady, who owned Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh got off to a great start in that game, and it looked like they were going to finally exercise those demons. But wait a minute. They got to play against the GOAT. So they had all the high drama. It came down to the last possession. That's what we all wanted. That's what we we waited to see. And then the league got in the way again. The league (laughs) got in the way again. I am sick of this rule, man. This, this rule, it, it was bad enough when it happened to uh, to Bryant with the Cowboys. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Against Packers. When he actually caught the ball, made a move to the end zone, and they called it an incomplete pass. You know, it, it, it gets to the point where, okay, when is, too, when, is, when is it too much? All right? And the league, I think what drives the fans crazy is the league has done nothing. I mean absolutely nothing to modify this rule, okay? This whole in-the-process thing is ignorant, okay? And for them to really overthink this thing like this to the point where now it's impacting uh, the, the the product on the field, you know, this is where people are really have really uh, had enough with the NFL, okay? That was a marquee game. That was pro- that was one of those games where you had everybody – who watches the NFL, was watching that game. They were watching that game. And they watched the league and, and its rules, and and those rules are so convoluted and they're so ridiculous that it ruined what, what, what should have been a good win, a great win for Pittsburgh. Uh, and uh, a way, actually, when you think about the drama, the, the high drama that is Roger Goodell and the New England, New England Patriots, a way for them to stick it to Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. But, no, their rules got in the way, absolutely butchered a, a, a fabulous game, took it away from Pittsburgh, and they need to look at that. Because, again, you, if you can't trust what your eyes see on the field, you know, then, then you're really taking the fun away 
from watching the game. I mean, it should not be that technical. It absolutely, positively should not be that technical. Yeah, they definitely make it. it I mean, when it should just be one plus one equals two, they make it a calculus. I mean, it, right. he made a football move. He, he reached out. He broke the plane. That's a touchdown. Anything you break in the plane should already automatically say that's a touchdown. Um, I could have handled the knee was down and just have it down where the knee went down. But but to say that that wasn't a catch is is right. ridiculous. And 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 when it's a catch at every other level, pee wee, high school football, college football, but it's not a catch here. Y'all complicating it too much. And I feel like they keep. I feel like they're trying to make up for the tuck rule. I feel like every time I see one of these calls, like the NFL is still trying to make up for the tuck rule for the Patriots. It's like it's like reparations. Like they're giving Belichick and Brady reparations on that uh, on that tuck rule every time these things come out. It was it's the one time, and I know you will, you will understand this uh, 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 as a Pistons fan. I felt like I was in the Boston Garden and 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 uh, and, 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 and there was a leprechaun in there going. Google for Cocoa Puffs. I don't know what it was, but it was something <laughs> going on. The leprechaun was d- waving a wand. I just felt like I was about to see Larry Bird come out of there with some short shorts and catch a touchdown. And then Gronk had the clown on him on the touchdown, knocked Davis down, looked at him, started laughing. It, and Davis dropped the interception that could have turned it around. It, you know, and I'm like, but I'm also saying Steelers double cover Gronk. At what right. point do you think you could put Mitchell over the top and double cover him and just single cover uh, Cooks? If Cooks beat you, he beat you. But don't let Gronk beat you. So there was so much that was wrong with that. But it felt like it felt like Burr stole the ball. Burr stole the ball. I felt like I was it really watching did. <laughs> that moment, it man. Did. I said, oh, and the look on Thomas' face was like, I can't believe he did that. Can't believe he threw that. He threw he threw a slant route with everybody sitting there, with only one person going out. I just, it was so much wrong with that final sequence. But but you're right. I mean, it's just a bad call altogether. Roger Goodell doing a whole bunch of stuff, getting paid a whole bunch of money. Get, get your rules committee to clean this up. You know, other sports have cleaned up stuff. This is one that's easy. Let's clean it up. Uh-huh. Make it make it make it reflect. If they can college, they can figure it out in high school. They can figure it out in pee wee. We should be able to. We, these are supposed to be the best referees in the world. They should be able to get the same thing right in the NFL. So it's not the yeah. referees. It's the rules committee. Okay, all of those calls go upstairs, right? They're they're, they're all going upstairs. They're they're, they're 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 subject to review. It's the rules committee. All right, the referees make a call on the field. And in most cases, you can argue they're the right call. Then it goes upstairs, and some knucklehead, some knucklehead, like I said, with a calculus, trigonometry, whatever you want to call it, comes up with some reason why it's not a catch. And and it, and, and it drives people crazy because you're looking at it, okay, in every decade with the exception of this one as a touchdown. And the NFL – what drives you really mad is, is they insult your intelligence on why the rule is what it is. And it drives folks crazy. They can fix it. If they quit trying to be the smartest knucklehead in the room, they can fix it. And the thing about it is, even with the current rule, they got it wrong. Because there's, there's four scenarios, two of which happen 
in this scenario. One is, did you transition from a receiver to a runner? He clearly did that when he caught and turned and reached right. for the end zone. That's, that's when he transitioned from catching the ball to becoming a runner because he took the motion of turning and, and extending. And, and did he extend without the ground breaking the ball? The, he, had, he, had, he had to catch and extend it and broke the plane without the ground breaking the ball at, in the motion. So the ground didn't break the ball until after he broke the plane. And so right. that, that, it, even with their current rules, they got it wrong. They should right. send a letter of apology. And so I think that's the part that just throws me. It feels like, uh, 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 again, one of them Boston Garden uh, uh, calls, Red Allback is up there smoking a cigar or something, waving a wisek wand. Yeah, I, felt like, I felt like they turned Heinz Ward into the garden, Heinz Field into the garden. I thought I saw a parquet floor there in the end zone. That's what I felt like. And well, uh, I wanted add, to get mad. Add, I just let me add this too. Let me add this too, D is that, you know, that's the second time in a big game where a player has made a move, right, with the ball, and for some reason the league claims that they didn't finish the process. I don't understand that. I, I, yeah. I wish they could help, help us understand as common folk, common fans, how can you turn up the field and not have completed the process? I'm saying this, that if 10 people look at that play and eight or nine of them say it's a touchdown, which probably happened, unless you, unless you somewhere in Massachusetts or Boston, <laughs> then it's a touchdown. Like everybody you talk to even on the air, non-Steeler fans or whatever, everybody, I went into my office and my office manager, who she was talking to my other colleague and she was saying it was a touchdown. She's a Packer right. fan. And so if if everyday common folk can sit there and look at it and say that's a touchdown, then it's a touchdown. If it looked like a touchdown, smelled like a touchdown, it's a touchdown. Most kids, if you gave that to 10 kids, at least nine of them are going to say it's a touchdown. Right. And so it, it's like if they do that, then it's a touchdown. So I think, again, this says a lot about when Roger Goodell spent all his time on this other stuff and can't get this right, get the stuff on the field right. If they don't right. give you $40 million a year, you should be able to at least work with the committee to get the stuff on the There's committees in all these leagues. There's rule committees in all these leagues. But commissioners are effective in getting the rules committee to see a better solution. All these leagues have rule commission, committees. But commissioners have the role to manage them to a better decision. And that's what Goodell needs to spend a little bit more time of his time getting to. Not just for the Steelers, but it's just something when something creates that much craziness, then you gotta correct it. You gotta correct it. Now, the Rams are not the same old Rams. They literally went to Seattle. They took the the team and the twelfth man behind the woodshed <laughs> yesterday. I turned on the game, is what, thirty four nothing? I, that never happened in Seattle. Like the twelfth man was like the, the fat lady had song, done the backstroke, and 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 ran out the room at halftime. I mean, Russell was running for his life. I wanted to get him into the witness protection program because they was coming after him. 
I don't know what's going on in Seattle. Like the like not only the wheels fell off, just and the way they got beat because I think Rams only had like 108 yards in that passing. That I mean they just beat you the old fashioned way. They just ran right over you. That's demoralizing. I play defense. When somebody just run over you like that, that that makes you just go back and reevaluate whether or not you should be playing. What what did you what did you think when you saw that? I mean, I just I didn't even know what to say. Look, newsflash, newsflash, uh, Ty Gurley is healthy. Okay? So for those of y'all who <laughs> I got him on fantasy. I love it. <laughs> Ty Gurley is healthy. He's very healthy. Uh, I love what the Rams have done. The Rams have quietly uh, have a very talented team. Okay? And with all of the hoopla, they're moving back to Los Angeles and everything. You got to understand, they were, they were coming last year. You could see that talent on that team last year. They were just young, and they just had to get themselves about themselves. Um, I'm, it's not surprising. I think what surprised everybody was the fact that the, – not the fact that the Rams are as talented as they are, uh, but you figured that with uh, Arizona being down this year, with San Francisco being San Francisco, that it was going to probably be Seattle and everybody else. But now this team, again, the woodshed whooping, it's just indicative of the injuries that has been happening with Seattle, okay? They have been, like, getting by by the skin of their teeth if you just watch some of the scores of how they've won ball games this year. And when when, when Sherman went down, that was it for them, you know, as far as their defense. And and the fact that they have struggled with their running game, and and you're right, uh, Wilson is Russell Wilson's been um, running for his life. That's because they don't respect their passing game without a legitimate running game. Okay, and this is Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll's uh, when he had beast mode over there, you had to respect that running game so that Russell Wilson can do what he wants to do with the passing game. They don't respect his passing game. They've lost a lot of uh, key players uh, off of that offense, and they're just not scoring points this year anyway. Okay, and with some of the key injuries that they've got. Uh, on 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 defense and with that running game, with that running game that that uh, that uh, the the Rams have with Gurley, you have to respect it. So what happens? You start putting folks in the box to try to stop that running game and stop Gurley. You don't have to throw the ball that much. You just got to be effective, okay? And that's what golf and that team is, is now. They're they're effective with the, with their passing game. It's, it's a very very efficient. Uh, game plan that they're running. That's a team that a lot of people aren't talking about outside of them being out in Los Angeles and nobody's watching them. But that's a very talented team, D. That's, that team has been building now for the last three years. And and people need to recognize that the Rams is real. That that that, that whooping ain't no joke. They're just starting to come into their own. This team reminds me a lot of the team, the first Rams team that won the Super Bowl uh, with 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 Kirk Warner and them, they kind of came out of nowhere. But the difference between that team and this one, even though they had Marshall Falk, uh, it, 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 and maybe that is a similarity because they had Marshall Falk. They've got Todd Gurley, and Gurley is real. He's a real deal. And I appreciate him in fantasy. But you're you're right, and I think you know they got such an elite defense. That front four is just so dominating. That front seven. Um, and the right. way they get after it, and their special teams, 
Um, you know, uh, we're a long ways from Jeff Fisher, seven and six and six and nine and whatever they got going on and nine and six, and nine and seven, whatever they got going on. Like we are, we are far away from that. They put some, 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 uh, really good assistant coaches around. They got some good veterans. They got some young people who are contributing. Um, they're bringing golf along the way. They gave, they're giving him a chance to compete. Uh, because they feature Gurley, and then they let him play off of that. Um, and he makes great throws um, and timely throws. Uh, I mean, they really brought him along uh, the right way. And, I mean, they just smashed. I mean, they had the office, defensive coordinator cussing folks out. They still weren't responding. And you still, even with those injuries, you still have Bennett. You still have Wagner. You still have some formidable folks who, you know, the week before had played all right, you know, you know, yeah, sometimes you get hit, but not 34 nothing. Like, you didn't have a 34 nothing defense on the field. And you're right, and I've been worried about this for a while. Seattle set the blueprint because they had all them Pro Bowl linemen, too, offensive linemen. Uh-huh. And then they got too cool, because this is what happened when you got to pay your quarterback, and then they had to play Russ. And so... Um, they have not replaced that offensive line. The offensive line has not been the same since they went to the Super Bowl. And even then, it was kind of depleting, you know, the second time they went. And so, you know, they have not, you know, um, replaced those Pro Bowl level linemen. They haven't drafted or free agent in a while. It doesn't feel like they've done enough to get that running game that would just make Russell even better. Uh, they bought a platoon of running backs in there that haven't played, but I think part of the deal is they just haven't – they're not strong in the line to open up holes for some of these backs. So you're right. I mean, they're going to have to really – they got they got to hope, um, you know, for, you know, Atlanta to stumble a little bit, uh, you know, tonight. Um, and uh, But, yeah, man, it's hard to come back from something like that. That's one of them games where I don't even know if you show the film other than the first half. You know, because that should be enough. You're down 30 for nothing. You watch everybody get beat up. I don't even know if you can even throw anything out. That might be one of them, them films that you just bury. I know Pete Carroll is big into symbolism. That might be one of them films you just get out back in the stadium with everybody with a shovel or the practice field. We're going to bury this one. <laughs> like, you know, Pete Carroll's been known for those kind of things. We're going to bury it. Yeah. Right? You and so this might be one of might... early running. <laughs> That's a film session you don't even want to be in, man. I'm like, woo, you know, it, it's so bad. You might, you might have, you might have, you know, you know, some of the injured players in there yelling at you. You know, I mean, it was just they could not get any help. It was like Ken Easley ain't coming through that door. <laughs> no. no. You just, you just, that you just, dough, you man. just think about the team, the Seattle team that went to the Super Bowl and lost to New England. Yep. And yep. just the players off of that team that's not on this team anymore. And then you got an injured Richard Sherman that really held down that secondary. You know yep. they're struggling right now. You know they they are what their records say they are. They're an eight and six team, and they'll probably finish nine and seven, or maybe even eight and eight. But uh, that's a that's a far cry. You know, with with especially with the successes that uh, Pete Carroll's had in Seattle. But make no mistake about it, they've got to get. Some weapons around uh, um, uh, Russell Wilson. He needs some weapons. All right. He doesn't have beast mode anymore. They, they let the tight end get away. I mean, they don't have any weapons for him. 
I mean, I think they had one game they won. I'm not mistaken. They won a game this year. What was it, like twelve to ten or something crazy yeah. like that. Yeah. I mean, you're not gonna. You're just not. You're not scaring anybody. Okay, if that's how you. If that's how you got to win, you know. So, uh, and, and when they score points, everybody's like, eyebrows pop up. It's like, really? That's the, y'all scored some points this week. But you know, the, the nature of the NFL. But that's not gonna. That's not gonna get it. And then when you got a team that's as talented as the Rams that can run the football, that can throw the football, and you got to pick your poison. Uh, that, that's, uh, that's going to be a hard – that's going to make for a long day. You know, Rams, the Rams are at double-digit win. They're for real. They've only lost four times this year. They're for real. And so uh, people need to pay attention to it. Just because they're on the left coast don't mean uh, that's not a good football team. You listen to RSG1 Mikey here with Hank and Devon, and, you know, we've been touching on some of the issues of the day. You know, normally we'll go deep into one topic, and, uh, you know, we'll spend some time talking a little bit about the the first part of our conversation about this bowl season, looking at just a few highlighted games. Uh, But, you know, we've just been talking a little bit about this uh, crashing that the Rams gave uh, Seattle uh, here on RSG1 Mike. We're brought to you by Carbon Well Health. Uh, go out and see our good friend, Dr. Nestor Rodriguez and his staff and uh, at carbonwoodhealth.com and let them know that the Real Sports Guys sent you. And you can also check us out at uh, realsportsguys.com. You can like us. You can, uh, you know, um, uh, 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 catch us on uh, Facebook and, and, and get your invite. You can catch us on Instagram. Um, and also you can catch us on iTunes. You can download, listen at your own pleasure, uh, please check it out. Um, and uh, in a, probably about another 10, 15 minutes, we'll be hitting into uh, uh, a couple bowl games we want to highlight and, and get a couple picks here as a first part of it. And then uh, in our next show, we'll probably start talking about some of those uh, New Year's Day bowls. So we'll get to some of that college football. Our last topic that we're going to talk about here in the opening uh, uh, Mike segment here that we kind of been just stretching out a little bit here um, that uh, just to, 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 to give you a little taste is that Jacksonville, I call it the Coughlin effect. I mean, this is another team that just, and I get there a year later than many thought last year, I picked them to win a division and they just fell apart. But even Blake Bortles is looking serviceable this year, but that defense is something else. Uh, they're getting after people. I remember when they went into Pittsburgh, boy, they got after them. I'm like, not too many teams can get physical with Pittsburgh and come in, in there and, and do their thing. Uh, uh, they just been something else. And, you know, Tom Coughlin's, uh, you know, DNA and handprints all over this team, the way that they play. Um, they, they've been really getting after it. How, I mean, how have you, you know, reacted to Jacksonville? You know, I, we got, we got our uh, great friend uh, 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 of the program who's, 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 uh, who's, uh, uh, been on here, uh, Lamar. Lamar's been on with me a couple of times. He's been on inside the park a little bit. Lamar is from the Upper Midwest, the only cat I've ever known. Two things: he likes Duke and he likes Jacksonville Jaguars. I was like, now the Duke one, I, I've seen enough people in the Midwest like Duke, so that wasn't a surprise to me. But the Jacksonville one, I'm like, what you doing up here liking Jacksonville? Um, and now that, but for a long time they were just futile. So he was just like he would, you know, he was just cheering for nothing. But now they went in, and I know he going crazy, but. Are the Giants wishing that they could have kept Tom Coughlin even in the executive position? Like, <laughs> like they're looking for a GM. It might have been great to have Tom Coughlin back taking care of that. I mean, 
what do you think about the job he's done and, you know, just kind of kicking off here in Jacksonville? You know what? You're right. But the one thing you got to give to Tom Coughlin, okay? Tom Coughlin has a plan, okay? When he <laughs> he's got, I mean, he's a, he's got, he's a plan. He knows what he, you know, That's when right. you win championships in the NFL, right? There, there's a, there is a blueprint, okay? There is a plan that gets you there. And he's won when he wasn't supposed to win with the Giants because he stuck to his plan. Um, I don't think I think the Giants missed a boat as far as would he be a good front office executive. But here's the thing that is lost a lot when it comes to the NFL and, to, and, and, and evaluating talent. Nobody is better than that, D, than a coach, okay? A coach knows what he needs. He knows what he's looking for. He knows what... What 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 he he knows what passes mm-hmm. the smell test, right? Mm-hmm. College, college college coaches are better than this than anybody. Why? Because they've already they developed their own programs. All right. Where did Tom Coughlin come from? Boston College. That's right. All right. He took his plan to the Giants. He stuck with his plans. He worked with a a a a a, a blue a blue chip. Uh, uh, ownership with the Mara family who knew how to win championships, and they developed that plan together. He goes down to Jacksonville. All right, and we got we got to start with the fact that he started out in Jacksonville. He learned a lot. Remember his first his early years in Jacksonville. His early years in Jacksonville coach. when he was coaching as a coach. You know Absolutely. he had to learn how to tone it down. Like he, he had that transition. He had to learn how to turn you know it down. Tone it down. That's what he created that up. committee. Yep. You, I'm glad you brought that up. Who was the only coach in Jacksonville Jaguar history to get them to the AFC Championship game? It Tom was Coughlin. Coughlin. And it was about Tom to run Coughlin. him out, but he figured it out. He figured it out. Yeah. He ran, that's week he brought the players committee together. I mean, he had to really soften, learn, and take a step back. Right. You know? I mean, you, you listen, this is, this is a match made in heaven for this team. Yeah. Okay? They've got a man that knows what he's doing. How to do it? Uh, he's learned, like you said, he learned with, with with the Giants as far as how that how that operates. And this is another team that people are kind of like, oh, they've been sorry for so long. Uh, let's just dismiss them. And I remember, I think one time I was on the show uh, with you all, and uh, it may have been you, it may have been Game Changer that that picked mm-hmm. the 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 Jag the the Jaguars, and I laughed out loud. I remember laughing out loud. And it, 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 I, when I laugh out loud the way I did, especially in public, I remember it. And I remember doing that. So, okay. You did laugh out loud. I laughed out loud. And I think I laughed for a long time. I think you had to take a break. But anyway, I will say to you right now, I'm not laughing anymore. Okay? Uh, they're 10 and 4. They're real. And it's kind of fun. If there's anything that we're missing out because of all of the noise that the NFL has brought us this year, is that we've got some teams right now that are really worth watching, but we're missing out because of the bull crap. You know, you got the Jaguars that that are that are remarkable this year. We just got through talking about the Rams, and and that that's new blood. That's new blood that's being infused in the NFL that they can't even embrace because of the bull crap that's going on. They keep on. You know, tossing to the to, to the fans. Unless you're in Jackson Fireville and they don't know yet in Los Angeles because they're still doing other stuff. But I mean, that's 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 where the NFL should really start to focus. That is a lot of fun for this season. 
Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and they're playing tough, and they're getting after it, um, and uh, uh, they are, they're not backing down. Um, they're not backing down at all. You know, they, they are demanding their respect. Uh, it's, it's fun to watch uh, uh, these guys really get after it. And, you know, for a long time, you know, feel like they were the doorsteps uh, uh, of the league, and they're coming out and saying, no, 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 we got this, we got this. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk a little college bowl. We're going to dip into a little bit, you know, maybe make a few predictions on some of these early games. You know, I love bowl season. Um, it's a great time to, uh, you know, uh, get a sense, you know, especially when these guys decide to play, which is a whole other issue. Maybe we'll touch on that. We have a, a number of players who are already opted out um, and said that they're, they're going to get ready for the draft, which, you know, in some ways I can't blame them, but, you know, it would be nice for them to, to, to actually, um, you know, finish the deal, but I'm not going to get mad at them. Uh, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, they, they got the right. They got, the, as they say, they got the right to be high. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit of bowl football here on RSG One Mic. Reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time. <laughs> we always got to throw a shout out to two people, Brett Bielema. You know, no, even though he's no longer head coach of the Razorbacks, I just got to, you know, pay my homage to him because he he's one of them guys who came on and hung with us early on. He always going to be one of our dogs, so always got to throw him that shot. I'm, I'm going to try to get him back on uh, here soon uh, as he's in transition. And also the game changer, who's been reclaiming his time. It's getting towards the end of the NFL season. We can we can get him back as he he has his, his season long boycott of NFL football going. You know, I just I'm I'm like I'm like I'm like Jamie Foxx said in Ali. You know, I can't give up that. <laughs> He's talking about how you can't give up the pork. <laughs> it's hard. I, I I did give up. I I didn't I I I didn't renew uh, my red zone and all the other stuff, but. Uh, you know, my Steelers on. It's a hard thing for me to. I'm down with Tomlin. All right, this is RG One Mikey here with Hank Davis and Devon Wilson, and so we're gonna get to the college bowl season. And obviously, the the four teams have been settled and decided. And we'll we'll, we'll deal with that later. We were gonna talk a little bit about that. We'll deal with that later. We're gonna talk about just some some interesting games and. Uh, I, I like to get Hank's perspective, and you know, maybe we'll we'll, we'll both make a selection. About it, so we're going to start with the Camping World Bowl. It's number two, twenty-two, number twenty-two, Virginia Tech, the Hokies against 
uh, number 19, Oklahoma State. Uh, this could be a really good game. You know, um, you, you got to think about this is, is a really good postseason pairing. You got, you got Mason Rudolph, who was one of the top quarterbacks um, uh, in the country. You got James Washington, who's just an incredible ball player. And that, that offense, that's averaging about 46 points a game. Um, and going up against Bud Foster, who for a long time um, coordinator for the Hokies, um, who was that staple, that great Hokie defenses over the years. Um, he's featuring the linebacker Tremaine Edmonds, um, uh, who uh, uh, have been uh, incredible. Um, you got you got Jackson, the young quarterback uh, there. Uh, you know this is a stage. You know a lot of more practices for him to get better and improve, and he shows some some really good um, um, highlights over the year um, in, in developing. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to kind of look at this. They're going to be playing in Orlando. Um, this is going to be a pick'em, man. This is a tough game. This is, you know, you, you know what, especially we talk about this kind of preparation uh, that folks have to prepare for the game. Uh, who do you think? Who do you have in this game, and and and, and why? I, I, you know, who I have in this game? The last one who got the ball. That's who I have. <laughs> That's right. Okay, let me tell you something, man. This game. Some of these bowl games, man, they they playing like hoop games, okay? Yes. They score. I mean, they starting off real, real slow, and all of a sudden, somewhere between the the middle of the third quarter to the end of the game, the offense is starting to figure it out. Next thing you know, you got it, forty five, forty five, going into quadruple overtime. You know, uh, that's what I expect. I really do expect this this to be a track meet going up and down the field. I think uh, Young Jackson is going to have a tremendous game against that Oklahoma State defense. But uh, I look here, Oklahoma State. Uh, I think the one thing that, that that troubled me about Virginia Tech, I thought Virginia Tech should have been better than what they were, but they kind of like faded down the stretch. I, I'm going to take Oklahoma State in this game. Only because it's going, as I think it's going to be a track meet, but but I think that they're going to the, the Virginia Tech defense uh, offense is going to have a hard time uh, keeping up with Oklahoma State. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think I, I may have in my uh, um, uh, 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 you know uh, if we had a wager or whatever hypothetically, I may have looked at Virginia Tech because it's one of those interesting underdogs to take. Uh, you know, they show up in both season. But I think I think um, when you think about someone like Washington, who's a game changer, you know Mason's been in some very cold competitive games against uh, you know TCU and against uh, Oklahoma. Um, the level right. of competition, you know, I think you know um, you know uh, Bud Foster's a great defensive mind, but I think you know he's got enough snaps under his belt where there might be some big plays, and you know for them they're going to try and really try to end this season. Uh, on, on a huge note, and so yeah, I think you know if you were to pick them, I think you're right. Oklahoma State is probably the better bet just because they're so explosive. I mean, you can only hope to contain them for a long. You can't. And, and I think if Jackson were a little bit older, it could right. match point for point. Like next, you know, if it were the Jackson of next year, I think this would be an incredible game. And if they do win it. Jackson might be a Heisman Trophy candidate for next year, early candidate to be, you know, if he has a really good bowl game, you know, uh, against a team like Oklahoma State. Um, you got the Alamo Bowl. You got Stanford against TCU. I mean, this is the coaches' bowl. You got Shaw 
up against Gary Patterson. You got Love at running back for for uh, for Stanford. Um, you got you got that you know TCU defense that is looking to bounce back and, and make some stuff happen. Um, wow! It's, and this one's going to be in the Alamo Dome. So in some ways, for TCU, that's kind of like in their own backyard in the great state of Texas. But Stanford fans travel. And, and what they do with that running game and other things, that travels as well. Um, and Shaw has some practices to get that defense tight. Uh, how, do you, how do you look at this? You know, you got two great coaches who are going to have their team well prepared. You know what? Um, I, I've got to go with Stanford in this game. And the reason why is because uh, I, 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 I struggle with TCU while they probably played the best defense probably in the Big, in the, in the big 12. That's that's a, that's not saying much. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're, talking, mm-hmm. you're talking about a league that played really no defense, and they played the best out of all of them. That being said, you got a Stanford team that's going to line up. They're going to punch you in the mouth. They're going to run the football. They're going to take care of the clock. Okay, and and that's going to be very difficult for TCU to to overcome. Secondly, uh, TCU's offense. You know they they they're known for that vaunted offense has been known to disappear at times. I see we I've seen it disappear twice against Oklahoma. I also seen it disappear against Iowa State. Okay, I'm gonna and Stanford's defense is Stanford's defense. So with those things with those uh, with those uh, components there, I, I think you you take you take Stanford. I think you take Stanford by like two touchdowns. Wow, that, that that's gonna be yeah, that's a, that's an interesting thing. I mean, you broke that one, uh, you, you broke that one down, and yeah, I think this is gonna be a good one. Yeah, but you got Shaw, and, and I think he's been building, trying to get this team, you know, back on track and ready and competitive. And, and I think you know, you giving him time to prepare, um, you know, in their physical. Th- th- yeah, I think yeah, you know, two touchdowns is, you know, um, you know, I think the Pac-10 is gonna have a good showing uh, here in the uh, bowl season. Um, we got we got uh, we got a Pac-10 Big Ten matchup. We got Washington State uh, against Michigan State. You know this is going to be one team that's going to try and hit you in the mouth, and one team that's going to try and run you out the gym. <laughs> you know when you when you when you look at it. You know you look at uh, Falk is thrown for thirty touchdowns and only thirteen interceptions. Um, he gets after it. Um, you know, um, you got you got Davis the third, who's a receiver for um, from the Spartans, got eight touchdowns. Um, you got Martin Jr., who's got nine touchdowns. You know, Michigan State is trying to bounce back, get get themselves back on, you know, uh, on on track, trying to get back to that competitive stage. You know, young team. Uh, in many ways, trying to bounce back. Um, you know, this is an interesting game. It's going to be in San Diego, the San Diego County Bowl. There's a lot of games in San Diego. I wouldn't mind getting out here. We got to. I think when we, you and I get together for our little RG retreat, we got to figure out next year where we're going to go because we got to right. be at some of these ball games. Uh, and we might not go to the ones we usually would want to go. Like we might have a Michigan or Wisconsin cause, just because our roots. We might need. I love to go to a bowl game like this. Because first of all, the fans are going to be crazy. It's one of those things where we could really be in a space having a lot of fun. San Diego, right? Uh, but this is going to be an interesting game. 
uh, with pretty evenly set teams who are trying to they need a win just to end this season on a really good note, right? This is one kind of one that gets you ready for next year and uh, can kick marker for whether or not you're ready to go in it next year. So, so who, how do you pick this one? Who, who would you, you, you look at? I think uh, many folks have slight edge to Washington state, but you know, uh, how are you seeing this? See, this is one of those games D where you have to ask yourself, uh, how good is Michigan state? Okay. Um, Washington State, let me start with them. You know, they're a different team when they play up in Pullman versus when they play anywhere else, okay? Uh, they had their first six, seven ball games right there in Washington, and they looked like they were going to be a playoff contender. The minute that they left the state of Washington, all of a sudden they became a very mediocre team. And that even includes the quarterback, Falk. Falk had, uh, I think, I want to say it was the Arizona or the Arizona State game that uh, Mike Leach actually benched him for a period of time. So I don't know which team is going to show up for Washington State. When we look at Michigan State, I don't know how good State is, okay? Is that the Michigan State team that that hung with Northwestern or upset Michigan? Um, Or was it the Michigan State team that got the doors blown off by the Buffaloes? (laughs) 48-3. <laughs> You're right. so, so, and if that team shows up, okay, then you got a problem. Um, here's the thing. This is going to be a very close game. I don't, if Washington State shows up and, and wants to play, if Mike Leach got those guys primed and ready to play, they'll, 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 they'll beat Michigan State. Michigan, I think that Mark D'Antonio, with them coming back, he'll try to play with that chip on the shoulder thing going on. But they're really – they 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 they're better than their record indicates this year. Okay? I mean I mean they they're not as good as their record indicates this year. I don't think just the eyeball test don't do it for me. Okay? And um uh, I think they took advantage of some of the disadvantages of what were supposed to be elite Big 10 teams with the exception of Ohio State. Um and this Washington State team can score points. And you and I don't know what sort of secondary Michigan State got. So uh, this is a toss-up to me. I can see State winning this game. Um, but, again, uh, I'm, and I'm going to give them the edge simply because I know Mark D'Antonio is going to have that team ready to play. You're right. When you take a closer look at this, they should call this the San Diego Golden High. Because you're not sure if Jekyll go up or high. You're right. I mean, when, when uh, Washington State goes away from Pullman, there's a couple times they've been behind the woodshed. I mean, Washington yeah. in, in the Apple, and that was at the Apple Bowl, whatever they call it, whooped them. Um, and a couple times they've been on the road. Arizona game got whooped. So they, both these teams have had their own share of blowouts where they've been blown out. So yeah, this is this is you're right. This is the Jekyll and Hyde Bowl. Um, right. The last one we look at tonight um, is Kentucky against Northwestern. Now I've been very critical of the SEC people. Because when you get beyond the top two or three teams in the SEC, they start to give everybody else the same love as they being coached by Nick Saban. And Kentucky's one of the teams I, I've been saying, even though I like, you know, I like the coach, I like how they've been building the program. But, you know, this is an important game for them to really solidify themselves, you know, as a basketball school, but trying to also solidify themselves as a football school. They're going up against the Wildcats who are looking for their third consecutive 10 season win 
Fitzgerald, for what Northwestern has to offer and what it is to get in and everything else, nobody's done a better job than someone like Fitzgerald. He makes them competitive every year. This is a team that's bowl eligible, it feels like, almost every year. Um, they're routinely, you expect them to have at least eight wins every year. And then some years have 10. To me, if I'm a Northwestern fan, that's what I expect. You know, with every four, every five, six years, we can actually have a magical run. You and I remember when they first broke through way back in the day, right, with Gary um, and uh, made that run to the Rose Bowl, you know. Um, and, you know, Gerald was a, he was a linebacker on that team. You know, now he's coaching this team, and, you know, they're trying to seal the deal here at the end of the season against a Kentucky team that I think is an upstart that's beginning to turn the corner. What do you think about – what are your opinions about who might come out of this one? I think it's going to be what? a good game. Okay, this is going to be a good game for a half, okay? This is the one thing – and, and I might be in the minority here, D, and I, and I think that the Pat Fitzgerald is good for Northwestern. He keeps Northwestern relevant. Um, and as long as he's over there, they will always be a relevant team. They'll get a couple of good wins in the Big Ten to to make you kind of raise your eyebrows. That being said, Pat Fitzgerald gets on my nerves as a coach. He just he, <laughs> he gets on my nerves as a coach. It just it's just like his game management towards the end of games just drives me crazy. I mean, he does stuff that puts that team more in harm's way than they should be. You know, he calls timeouts when the other team doesn't have any. You know, he takes a <laughs> knee, go to overtime, got a minute and a half left in the game. And all those things. And like I said, if you're a team that's trying to win championships or you're trying to get to that next level, Pat Fitzgerald is not your guy. With that being said, when I look at Kentucky, and like you said, this is this is a program-building game for them, okay? Um, they, 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 I think this is the second year in a row they're going to a bowl game against a Big Ten team, um, I, I, if I'm not mistaken. And I just I, I look at that team, and I look at, you know, here's here's uh, Northwestern. They're ranked in the, in the top 25. They're going in. They got this bowl. I fully expect Kentucky to upset this team. And if you mark my words, you watch that fourth quarter, if it's a close game in the fourth quarter, Pat Fitzgerald is going to do something to make you say, so why did he do that? He does it time. He, he, that's why they call him the cardiac cats. They're the cardiac cats because of the coach. I'm telling you. You don't, you don't believe me? Go watch those games down the stretch. And you played the game. And you coach, it will drive you bonkers. But because he's a Northwestern alum and he's got them going to bowl games and they're not the Northwestern of old, he'll stay there till he's old and gray. But I will tell you right now, he's not, he's not Barnett. He will not win them a Big Ten championship, okay? He won't do it. But they will always get to a bowl, and that's okay with that fan base. But I'm taking Kentucky in this one. And it's the Music City Bowl, so it's going to be – uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, it, it, and so in many ways for Kentucky, it's more of a home game than it is for Northwestern. So they should have a pretty good turnout there of fans coming to, to see them, um, you know, and we'll see how the Northwestern fans travel uh, uh, there to Nashville. Uh, shout out to my boy Bob Obrada and, and, and all the fellas over there. Uh, uh, Nashville, y'all should, you know, get over there and see the game while you're down there uh, and, and take on it. He called it. 
He said Pat Fitzgerald will find a way to lose that game in the fourth quarter. I'm going to be watching with that eye on it. Hank and I, this is RSG1 Mike with Hank and Devon. Hank and I will will do what we call part two. We might even do it live. I might be in the same room as Hank next week. We might be doing it live from somewhere in A Square, somewhere exclusive where we going we might we might have the board up. We might even bring video into this one where you can actually <laughs> see what we're doing. Uh, we, we might have to do it live on Instagram. Um, you know, we, we, this is our annual, this is, we, this, that's our first annual, our inaugural uh, holiday uh, uh, show. I just called it that on the show. And slash RSG One Mike Retreat. <laughs> Where Hank and I will be in the lab trying to figure out what next year is going to be looking like. And uh, so we look forward to talking about the New Year's Day ball games and some of the other ones that will be coming up next week. So stay tuned. Stay tuned for, um, uh, 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 you know, some of the other shows. Hank will be hitting you with another uh, uh, inside the park with all this hot stove stuff coming on. Get ready for that. I'm going I'm to I'm get the guys back up for the big show. We'll be back. I'm going to get Phil off the bench shooting threes, and I'll get Game Changer. He's been, he been trying to build his Build his build his state championship team, so we're we'll, we're getting him back up here, uh, going. Uh, we're gonna get the engine going here as we end uh, 2017, and uh, we'll re- Hank and I'll have a chance to reflect on the year. You know, we always do our little reflection on the year. We'll we'll do a show where we reflect on the year and the things, and we'll we'll also uh, predict and have some of the headlines we think will be there for 2018. So we got a lot on the books, but I will drop the mic. I'm gonna drop the mic by saying this. Look. We've been and and Hank put this out there. We've we've been enduring a lot of um, incredible and important conversations. Um, and one reason why I started this show is because I really wanted to um, bring together the intersection between sports and society. You know, when I truly talk about um, the fact that we are the underground, um, one of the things I want to be empowered to do to be able to do it our way and have these important conversations at the same time. Uh, do it in a way that's also entertaining and fun. Um, we don't mind to have fun. We can also be serious. Um, but but we are in trying times, and I'm 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 happy and proud to see um, our athletes, both college, pro, and high school, um, finding their voice in expressing who they are and pushing it. But at the same time, also playing hard in the field of play. That you can do both. And so um, we're going to do both here on RSG. We're going to push the issues. We're going to have fun. Uh, and we're going to give you everything we have. Until next time, this is RSG One Mike. Be blessed. Have a great day until uh, we talk to you again. Reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.